Good afternoon and welcome to the Thunder Buddies podcast. I am your host, Michael Martin, and I am joined by Joe Masato. Joe, we have so much to talk about on this Friday after the trade deadline. How are you doing today? I'm doing okay. Um, trying to trying to remember where I am, what I'm doing. Um, every all of those basic questions in life. Yesterday was a whirlwind. Um, well, really, the last couple of days because it all just bled into each other. But Wednesday was an off day. I stayed up late. Um, however, I had the the fortune of being on the west coast so like the kevin durant trade didn't wake me up whatever it was and then i I wasn't expecting anything big from the thunder but i was i'm i'm just always afraid of like being asleep during a big trade like when stephen adams was traded in the middle of the night i um i had to be woken up so i set alarms on my phone for like 3 a.m 5 a.m and then once the 5 a.m hit nothing happened but i woke up um got some coffee ate some cereal and um i uh just just for some inside baseball the thunder was going to practice at ucla so i headed over to ucla they didn't end up practicing just because of you know the the uncertainty of the trade deadline certain guys mike muscala and and darius basically to name them moving out so I, i pretty much just set up shop at a random uh kind of cafeteria type headed back and then but like i said i'm I'm feeling a little strange i'm sure it's been a weird trade deadline did you know that 27 out of the 30 teams were all involved in a trade in the deadline day or the upcoming days i heard something like that it it was a cleveland set out right um cleveland do you want to guess before i tell you yeah but it's not a true guess because i think i've heard the list uh cleveland chicago Oh, uh, there's one more. Is it another East team? It is. I don't know. Miami, the Dwayne Wade trio of teams. <laughs> wow. Is is there any like conspiracy behind that or something? I don't that's a that's a fun connection. I heard something, and you can take this like as a grain of salt or sand or whatever you want to take it, but um I heard something that the Heat had something in plans and couldn't get through to uh, to Pat Riley because he was quote unquote resting during the trade deadline. Yeah, I don't believe that for yeah. a second. But but it makes for a good story. Yeah, I don't know that Pat Riley ever sleeps, so that's that's the loophole in that that I don't really believe. But anyways, we do have some actual trades to talk about. First was Mike Muscala being traded to the Boston Celtics for a couple of second round picks. What is your overall uh, feelings on that trade? Yeah, so I I think this one I, I did not know it was it was happening. Um but but it seemed like there was some murmurs very late or that I at least heard very late. Um but I, I was still surprised it got done just because he wasn't a guy that we've talked about as far as being on the block, being a trade chip. I mean, we have talked about it what feels like each of the last two seasons. Um guy that could could really help a playoff team just giving a shooting and i think its defense is actually underrated um but i I was surprised for all the reasons we've talked about like locker room leader been here four seasons i i mean he was one of four guys basically being another so there's only two guys left lou dort and sga from that last playoff run in 2019 2020 um but you look at the deal and 
I, I think it's it was very wise of the Thunder to accept. I, I mean, Mascala is going to be 32 years old. He is obviously on the back end of his career. He's a end of the bench, end of the rotation Tustin. Um, but when you get two second round picks, one of which is in 2029, when who knows if the NBA is existing in 2029. Um, but if it is, who knows what the Celtics look like. So it's just like hedging that bet, putting that as far out as possible and, you know, getting two seconds for a guy that that wasn't long for, for OKC or going to be part of the rebuilding plans, I, I thought was good business. And here's a fun little tidbit. I'm, I'm not saying this is going to happen or if I even think it's going to happen. Um, but the Thunder really likes Mike Muscala. Mike Muscala really likes Oklahoma City and being with the Thunder. He has a team option for next year. There's a chance that Boston, this is a one-year thing, they decline the team option. He could always resign with the Thunder on like the, uh, a minimum. Um, to come back, I, I don't. I think roster spots are going to be at a premium, so I'm not sure that's going to happen. But it's certainly um, a possibility. It definitely is. Were you surprised at all? I know you said you heard murmurs, but uh, why exactly do you think the Thunder decided to move him? Because it felt like he was a pretty uh, valuable piece just in the last couple of weeks. Of the team is sort of on the uh, cusp of a play-in. I don't know situation. Yeah, that, that's a hard way to look at it because undoubtedly, this is not. A, a good in-season basketball decision for the Thunder. We've all seen the on-off numbers. We've seen how much Mascala helped Shea. We've seen him shoot shoot the ball. But like, I had someone ask me, like, do you think this is a tanking move? And I really don't because I I just think they looked at it was never about this season. We've talked about that the 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 entire year. It's about building for the future. They got two second round picks for a guy who's not going to be around. And I really like Mike Muscala, the player. I think the on-off numbers can be can be a little busy and and a little fuzzy to see through sometimes. But like, I I personally think the Thunder could make the play-in, and I would even pick them to make the play-in at, at this point, even without Muscala. So it's like you take Muscala off the roster. At most, maybe it costs the Thunder a win, two wins. Feels like a stretch. Like he's playing 15 minutes a game. Um, so I, I, I think that's a little bit of an overreaction, but you could talk me into it if, if you're, um, if anyone's upset about, about what this means for the play and push. Yeah. I think Mike is a helpful player, but he's not changing your destiny and I'm with you. It maybe costs them one or two games, but at the same time, I think it's more helpful to invest in the future in different guys like Jay will and JRE who need to get a lot of these minutes. And even then, Mike wasn't a guy who was playing consistently all the time. It's not like he was starting every single game or constantly as a six man. He's been in and out of the rotation, but it'll be very interesting and wish him well in Boston uh, with him on the Thunder. Well, I wish I would have written about the uh, the Mario tattoo on his back before he would have left. I, I think that would have been a fun story. My Most of my memories of... Um, well, the the one memory that stands out, I was not there, um, but obviously the the shot in the bubble that that cost the Thunder a, a draft pick. I, I will always think about that, and I'll also think about him just dominating people in the post practice three point contest that the Thunder does. He would always say that Gallinari was the best shooter, and Gallo would beat him. But once Gallo left, I think Muscala was was the favorite to win those competitions. Just a a really 
cool guy to cover, um, good basketball player. So I'm happy that he gets to join a contender. And um, just to circle back on a thing you said, because I thought it was very wise about him being in and out of the rotation. Look at what happened to Mascala in the second half of the season these past two years. Like, there's a chance if they don't trade him, he's just they they send him down and say, "Hey, look, we're going to prioritize the younger players." And JRE is coming back. Jay Will is emerging. You've seen Kenrich Williams play some small ball five, and they really like that. So there's there's other bodies in there, and like. He was he was not going to be the priority even if he stayed on the roster. I'm not even sure he would have played all that much if he would have stayed on the roster. So I agree. I had the better. I think it was in the first half. Jokingly said they bet a million dollars on it, and then uh, Mike came out just blazing from the start. And they're like, "Hey, we just want you to know that's not a real bet, by the way." But just thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, that was bad timing on their part, man. Mike was hot that night. He knows big time players make big time plays. But on to the next trade. This is a guy who's been in trade talks for a while, Darius Baisley, who didn't seem long for this team. We kind of forecasted this, and it looked like it was something that was bound to happen. But he has moved to the Phoenix Suns as he rejoins Chris Paul, who was his point guard during his rookie season, during that bubble season. In exchange, the Thunder get a 2029, or they get a second-round pick from the um, Suns in this year's draft, along with Dario Saric. What did you think about that deal? Yeah, it's a... It's a 2029 pick, right? Oh, is I it? think the, the the Boston deal was a 2023 and a 2029, and this deal was a 2029. No, you're right. Um, yeah, I got them confused. And, and that's another. I mean, no, it, it's good to bring up because it's like, oh, what's the difference? Well, the difference is the the Suns are built to win now, and in 2029, Chris Paul's going to be 57 years old, and Kevin Durant's going to be 45 years old. And um, yes, I'm stretching the math, but you get the point. I. Listen, I, I wasn't I was getting less and less sure that a Darius Baisley move was going to happen as the deadline approached because it was something that we had all hypothesized and it made it was logical. It made sense. We could all see the writing on the wall. He was out of the rotation, wasn't really fitting, um, but per, per usual, not really hearing anything out, out of out of the thunder. Um, the Mascala stuff came from elsewhere, but. Um, I, I think it makes sense like that. It, it's the same situation, similar situation as Mascala Darius Baisley last year of his rookie contract set to enter restricted free agency. The thunder doesn't like guys to get to restricted free agency. And if he did get there, they weren't going to resign him or match an offer sheet. So then he's walking for nothing. And it's like, well, what's the point of keeping Darius Baisley on the roster for two more months? Um, if he's just going to walk anyway. So they saw that they get a second round pick that's pushed far out in the future, which makes it more valuable. And in Saric, they're they're going to keep they're they're going to get a guy that they're going to keep around. Um, and we'll we'll talk more about that in a bit. But you know, it's it's a very low risk minor move in the grand scheme of things. I do like it from Phoenix, say that, but like in a vacuum, I would rather have Darius Arch on my team than, than Darius Baisley. But they probably like his defense, his versatility, and maybe Chris Paul is putting in a good word because those guys were legitimately close. It was almost like a big brother type situation. Like the the two guys that CP mentored in his one season um, were Shea and Darius Baisley. Like those two guys were attached to Chris Paul. I remember the Thunder was going out to LA for a road trip and there was like a day off in between and Chris Paul 
flew out a day. Darius Baisley, like those, like those guys were tight. Um, and if CP was like against this idea at all, I'm sure he would have said something to James Jones in that front office. Yeah, it should be pretty interesting. Um, Saric, I think, will replace some of the Mascala minutes that are in and out of the rotation. He's not Mascala as a three-point shooter, but he has been shooting pretty well this year. He's shooting 39% from three this season. He's a career 36% three-point shooter, so not bad. And I think he'll uh, provide some of those spacing things. But I'm with you. I'm excited to see what he does with this team. That doesn't mean he's long for this team or he's going to play a very integral part, but he's going to get a chance at least. Yeah, and not like you said, not the shooter Mascala is, but another guy who who's going to stretch the floor, can play small ball five, can play some four. And I, I don't think he's going to have a big impact. I, I think, you know, maybe he plays 10 to 12 minutes some nights and DNPs the other nights. Just, a, you know, a more interesting guy to keep on the roster than Justin Jackson, who the Thunder has obviously had a look at before and wasn't playing at all for Boston. So Sarge, I'd be very surprised if he was on the team um, after this season, but it's kind of like, it's kind of like the Svima Hailuk uh, Diallo trade. Like Sarge is a better player than Mahailuk, but they kept him around, saw what he can do. The roster was in a different spot, but I think it's uh, same, same thing for Sarge, just a guy who can be a stabilizer in a lot of lineups. And then the last thing on that, um, Dario Saric's basketball reference, his different nicknames. We have uh, CC, the homie, and Super Dario. So they traded Mike Muscala's Super Mario tattoo for Super Dario. So I think that's a pretty good way to leave it off. Uh, but the Thunder did attain, uh, obtain three different second round picks. Specifically, they own 19 second round picks through 2029, according to Real GM. What is the end game for most of these picks and the use for them? Because we're seeing all these teams at the deadline use five second round picks for this guy, five second round picks for that guy. So they have some use, but just there's a lot of people who are thinking it's like, well, first round picks, the Thunder couldn't even trade up with some of those sometimes. So what are they going to do with the second round picks? Exactly what some of the contenders did with their second round picks. And it's a valid question. And a lot of people... I get the pushback against the value of second round picks. Um, like I was listening to to Bill Simmons and, and Rosillo, and they're like, "What? What? Th- these second round picks don't mean anything." But like, I I really disagree with that. Like, I don't I don't look at these second round picks as far as oh, you know, you can get a good guy at you know thirty nine or forty five or late in the second round. I mean, the Thunder has had luck in the second round, but I'm telling you, second round picks. Clearly, somebody does. These teams do. Like, if you're Milwaukee and you can trade five second round picks to get a guy like Jay Crowder, well, then the Thunder, whenever they're close to contention, they can trade five, six, however many they want second round picks to go get a guy that's going to be in your rotation and contribute. So um, they certainly have a currency in, in the NBA. And I think that's what they're ultimately going to be used for. Um, you know, hey, I'll give you three second round picks for this vet that's not just able like so, depending on which team is using them and where the pick lands. So a team like the Thunder, who over the past few seasons, as you kind of mentioned, Jay will pick 34th overall last uh, in this draft. Jerry and Aaron Wiggins go 32nd and 55th overall. So they have a track record just over those last couple of like these are just throwaway draft and stash guys like before. So who knows? And like you mentioned, 
the Thunder are going to be at some point in a stage where they are competing. And if you identify whoever that Jay Crowder is in 2027 and you have five second round picks, you can outbid the competition and just go get that guy. And I think that's very helpful. Just some added flexibility that the Thunder haven't had in uh, past, I guess, iterations, whether it was the Durant Westbrook teams, the Paul George Westbrook teams or anything like that. Yeah, it's just it's just giving yourself more options. And that's also why Sam Presti likes to push them out as far as possible for two reasons. One, you have no idea what anyone's going to look like in 2029 or 2028, whatever it may be. So that makes sense from that perspective. But two, it gives you several years to like just have those in the back of your pocket and not really worry about them. Um so it's not like, oh, gosh, like we don't have enough roster spots for all these second round picks like that's not going to be a problem. I kind of feel like second round picks like if this year taught us anything, it's like maybe they're going to keep being bundled together. But at some point, someone's going to have to use one of them on an actual player. Um, I, I don't know when the Thunder will get will get to that point, but it, it is kind of funny. Just like that was like the that was like the new trendy thing to do with this year's trade deadline. Well, I think a lot of these teams are just running out of first round picks like you saw Milwaukee give up five seconds, mainly because they gave all their first in the future for Drew Holiday and that New Orleans trade a few years ago. So teams are kind of just running out of assets. So they're pivoting to second round picks, even if it is for smaller pieces. But as you mentioned, it really depends on who has a second round pick and where it is, because there are times and situations where a late first round pick, maybe it's uh, number 28 versus the 34th pick early second round is just as valuable, if not more valuable, because you're getting sort of the same caliber player, but you're paying them a lot less. Yeah, I thought you and Barry described that well. I mean, and there is more flexibility with some of those second round guys. And and then from a player's perspective, you know, once the mid to once it gets to the mid to late second round, they would just rather not be drafted because then you get to pick your destination and, and sign is an undrafted free agent to a player, whatever, like kind of the, the Lou Dort situation. So, um, yeah, that's kind of, it's kind of like a nerdy area of the draft and everything. But again, the thunder is an asset accumulation modus, which is like buzzwords on the, on the thunders campus. But, um, they they accumulated three assets, three second round picks for two guys that aren't going to stick around. I'm having a tough time saying the word accumulated. Um, yeah, sorry, Mike. Process is not linear. We're going to have the Thunder Buddies bingo card by the end of this where you can go, oh, uh, asset accumulation process, this and that. We can have a couple other ones, but it should be fun. Uh, but moving on, you witnessed some history on Tuesday night where the Los Angeles Lakers and the Oklahoma City Thunder played a star-studded event where LeBron James passed Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for the NBA's all-time leading scorer. Uh, Super fun night. What did you see in uh, the arena on that night? It was incredible. It was the best best NBA game I've I've ever covered or or best moment. Now, I've not covered a playoff game in person, um, only the bubble. So, keep that in the back of your mind, but just like I'm a big, I'm a big fan of seeing history. Um, I think anytime you can see history and kind of remember that, that you were there and you took all of those sights and sounds and smells in like, it's pretty cool. So that's kind of, that's kind of how I felt the other night, just getting 
lost in that moment. I, like everyone else, even though it's my job to cover the Thunder and write about the Thunder, like pretty much everything I wrote that night was from the perspective of LeBron making history, like leading with Kenrich Williams and just like seeing his perspective of defending that shot and, and what it meant to him. And um, he was just great to talk to, by the way. But it was just as much as I'm glowing about it now in the moment, it was it was very anxiety inducing for me because like every single touch that LeBron got, like the crowd level was just cranked up. And there was like I, I've said this before, but LeBron knows how to deal with pressurized situations. I think he's proven that. But I just can't imagine being out there and everyone is there like just begging you to score and like it all rests on your shoulders to get this record on this night. And there it was pressure on his teammates. I mean, different guys were getting booed for shooting instead of just passing the ball. That was pretty interesting, but it was a star studded event. Um, You talked to Josh Giddy, it looked like after the game, and he talked about LeBron, his influence and um, what he thought about the Thunder potentially being the team that he breaks the record against, right? Yeah, I, I appreciated Giddy because he was he was honest, like he said he was secretly hoping that it would happen against the Thunder. And it was it was honestly the best case scenario for the Thunder. They are a part of history. Kenrich Williams will forever be a footnote in history, forever be um, kind of immortalized by being in the, in that shot. The, the the shot of the shot is how I described it after the game. Um, but yeah, and then they still got got out there and got the win. And not to focus too much on the game because I still think it's secondary, but. It's one of the most impressive games the Thunder's had this season. I mean, this is the youngest team in the NBA in just surrounded by celebrities and the wildest crowd they've ever been a part of. Shea said besides playing the Rockets in game seven three years ago, this was like the most. This game had like a bigger gravity than anyone he had been a part of. And for them to like shoot the ball as well as they did and kind of just be better than the Lakers. I thought that was a really, really big step for this team. Yeah, you mentioned the celebrities there. Woody Harrelson, John McEnroe, Usher, Denzel Washington, rapper Bad Bunny, Magic Johnson, Kareem, Bob McAdoo, James Worthy, Lamar Odom, Dwayne Wade, among others, including Jay-Z, who declined to get ice cream with you at halftime is what I heard. But uh, Yes, in, J- in Jay-Z's defense, I did not ask him to, uh, to get ice cream with me, but I, you know, I was on my way to... Uh, um, the Lakers media media dining room. They have a soft serve ice cream machine. I always um. Hey, this is before they play pretty cool. Jay Z was row Usher because that what a weird trio that is. Um, but like McEnroe was standing up and and yelling as John McEnroe does. Woody Harrelson looked like a looked like he was playing the part of like a fictional president who was visiting a naval base. Was wearing like this very strange hat and suit and sneakers and usher is obviously one of the coolest guys of all time so i'm not like (laughs) i i was about to say i'm not a big celebrity guy like i said i'm not a big music guy but i i think it's cool to see celebrities but i'm i'm not just like gonna gonna go crazy over things like that but that that was a cool night like seeing those seeing those folks um denzel washington i love denzel washington um 
it's like Phil Knight sitting by Bronny James. It's like, what's what's going on here? Just a just a really surreal night. No, I mean, each celebrity is different for everybody. I still remember going to that random Rockets Thunder game last year and Drake was sitting courtside for God knows why. He said he was there to visit a friend and Shea had no idea he'd be there. But it's definitely interesting in games like that. And the Thunder uh, historically are not a team that gets a bunch of celebrities at their game. The Lakers get quite a few. I jokingly said it was nice of all those celebrities to show up for the uh, Jalen Williams breakout game. (laughs) But uh, overall, must have been a really fun night. And then I saw this. Uh, Kenrich was also guarding Dirk when he passed Wilt for sixth all time in scoring. I saw this on Reddit. I think that'd be pretty interesting. I don't know for sure if that's true, but Kenrich is now in two different all time moments guarding the guy who passes the record. Yeah, I saw that too. And, um, I, if it is true, I wish I would have done my research as, is that Reddit user did, um, to talk to him about that game because, yeah, that's that's just I, I mean, the unlikelihood of that is is just crazy to be uh, to be a part of history twice. No one's going no no current player is going to break LeBron's record. So I don't think he's going to get um, a three time. But but maybe when, you know, Kevin Durant cracks the top 10, which will almost certainly happen, um, maybe it'll be uh, K. Rich on Durant or something like that. He's just going to be like the guy in the background of history for a bunch of different things. It's like, oh, well, here's this guy winning this championship, getting this scoring record. It's like, oh, Kenrich Williams, like the Where's Waldo type of thing. Yeah, it's like, what is this guy's haircut? Uh, you know, the this the shag haircuts in every every prominent shot in NBA history. What's going on here? Yeah, they bring Kenrich in whenever they need a guy to break the record. That's what they do. <laughs> but um, overall, last thing on that game, I just wanted to ask you because you were amid some pretty star-studded company, not just celebrities, but media people around you. I think you said Zach Lowe was sitting behind you and you had Malika Andrews and other people sitting in front of you. I just wanted to ask you if you talked to any other uh, media people and if you got any opinions from them on this current iteration of the Thunder, because I'm sure for a lot of them, this was the first time they got to see them in person or on TV or anything like that. Such a busy um, was in, I forget which one. Um, he was chatting with Mark Dagnall quite a bit everyone else was focused on the lakers primarily and their pregame press conference was in like it's like if they sectioned off just like an open area in the tunnel and put out seats because no room was big enough in the bowels of the arena to hold everyone that's what darvin ham's pregame presser and what i can only assume lebron's postgame presser was like i i think i was one of about five media people who uh who was in the Thunder's postgame presser and like trying to talk to Kenrich Williams instead of trying to talk to LeBron James. But yeah, a, a wild night from a media perspective. I mean, just like I was, I was very happy that uh, Steve McGee and I from news nine, we had our regular seats at Staples crypto, the crypt, whatever, whatever we call it. And um, because I, 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 I don't know if I said this on a podcast, but I thought I might be like laying on my belly from the rafters and looking down with binoculars. But that thankfully was not the case. No, I mean, that's going to be something you remember forever. Um, awesome night. Glad you got to be a part of it. Uh, but the Thunder moving forward, I just want to ask you, where do you think they go past the deadline? I know that earlier you said something about you would still uh, lean towards them making the play in or something like that. I think so. Um I'm doing a uh, a Reddit AMA today, um, and someone asked me this. By the way, I'm 
so here's the deal, Michael. I I I look at the Thunder's Reddit subreddit, but I'm I'm not very well versed in the world of Reddit, and I have I've never posted, so I had to create an account to do this AMA, and I, I just feel super ill-equipped um, to be doing this thing that seems kind of out of my technological boundaries. But anyway, I'm stalling because I was trying to pull up my my list, but I can't find it. So someone asked me where I think the Thunder is going to finish, and I hadn't like sat down and, and really like mapped it out what I think is going to happen. But I settled on the Thunder finishing 10th in the West because in 12th in the standing. So like if anything, they've been better, even better than their record suggests. So I broke it into tiers. I've got the Nuggets and Suns in tier number one. I have the Grizzlies and Warriors in tier two. Um these are all subjective, by the way. I have the Clippers and Mavericks in Tier 3. And then in Tier 4, I have the Kings, Pelicans, and Timberwolves. That is nine teams. Okay? I, I feel pretty confident those nine teams are going to be to finish out of the Thunder in the standings. And I want to hear your thoughts on this as well. But that leaves three teams, I think, for the 10th spot. The Trailblazers of Portland, the Lakers of Los Angeles, and the Thunder of uh oklahoma city and i like what the lakers did at the deadline i still would pick the thunder ahead of them i've not been big on this blazers team all season so maybe i'm just shortchanging them but i think the thunder's gonna gonna finish in that 10th spot if i had to guess right now and uh, make the play in yeah it's hard to argue with that um i always will have my doubts about the wolves because they are the wolves but those other that's teams, true yeah those other teams like the Lakers, it's going to come down to, and especially the Blazers, are there any timely injuries? As you've seen with the Lakers, they fall apart anytime without Anthony Davis. LeBron just sat out last night against the Bucks. Damian Lillard has not been the picture of health the last couple of years either. You were saying, and it should be pretty interesting d- during this last stretch. I know the Thunder are supposed to have one of the easier strengths of schedules for the rest of the season. So we'll see what happens with that. And then along with these trades that happened past the deadline, I just wanted to ask you, who do you think benefits the most from these different roster moves on the current team? Wait, say that again. So uh, Baisley and Mescal are out. Who do you think who's on the roster currently benefits the most from those guys out and the different minutes that'll be gained, even if they were in and out of the rotation? Okay, I got you. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I I guess no one really benefits from Baisley because he wasn't playing much to begin with. Um, Mescala, we talked about Sharich playing some. Yeah, I think that'll happen. But I think the main beneficiaries here are Jay Will and JRE. A logjam from like a talent perspective. I'm just talking about a logjam from a minutes perspective. And they were going to run into that, um, especially with how much they play small ball um, at center. So you have Jay Will emerging, playing very, very well. Um, small sample, and I think they want to get even more of a look at him. And um, therefore, by um, sending Mascala on on his way to Boston, um, helps that happen. JRE is nearing a return from um, a, a severed ankle. And uh, so he's going to be back soon. Um, he's going to need minutes as well. And um, yeah, I, I don't. I'm doubtful Poku returns, but if he does, that uh, that's another guy to throw in the mix. But I, I really look at those two guys, Jay Will and Jerry. 
I think the same way. Jerry should be back. I know he's been in and out with the blue, and hopefully we'll get to see him with the Thunder pretty soon uh, playing minutes for them. But Jay will has been awesome recently. I don't think he's a 70% three-point shooter, but uh, I, it's definitely promising to see him shoot this well. But I think both those guys are definitely going to be in a fight for minutes, whether that's in the starting lineup. or Jay wills three-point shooting is just ridiculous, by the way. I mean, he's at 50%. On the season, right? I'm pulling this up here. Yeah, 50%. Um, it's 15 of 30. I, I could have done that math in my head. Um, then you look back to his sophomore season at Arkansas last year, which was um, his last season in college. He was 17 of 71 from three. So to put that in perspective, he would have to go to of his next 41 from three to, to match what he did in college. I don't think he's going to go two of his next 41. I don't know if he's going to shoot 41 more threes. He probably won't, but like that, that that's why you approach the three point shooting with skepticism because he was not a good three point shooter in college. 24% as a sophomore, 30% as a freshman, but only on 23 attempts. So this is like a newfound skill that he's, discovered and it's it's uh it's booming now but who knows i i I really like jay will though and just the energy he plays with i thought one of the coolest moments from the other night was him taking a charge against lebron this is a guy who's taken like fourteen thousand charges in his life and and that has to be number one on his list booming no pun intended after he yells boom after every three made but it's probably just the gift of the Thunder shooting game. He's been in that uh, in the line with Isaiah Joe getting some pointers, but he's been really good. The Thunder did make those trades, but I wanted to recap some other trades that had some Thunder impact or some former Thunder players in it. So we'll got the Clippers trade Reggie Jackson and a 2028 second round pick to the Hornets for Mason Plumley. Reggie Jackson's immediately bought out. Do you have any overall feelings on Mason Plumley's rehab jump shot or Reggie Jackson's being bought out? Tell you what, Michael. When we were going to talk about trades across the NBA, I, I, I did not think we would be uh, mentioning this one first, but I, I like it. We're just we're just amid the weeds. Um, yeah, I don't have I don't have much thoughts on this one, but like looking at the Clippers as a whole, basically, they sent three guys out. They get three new guys coming in, all kind of like spare parts pieces. Um, I don't really know what to make of the Clippers like. I don't know what to make of them before the deadline, after the deadline, but I, I don't, I know some people are higher on the additions they made, but eh, I think it's like status quo, really. To me, they're less of a team and they're more of just like a group of individuals that got, got put on a team together. So we'll hit, see how that works out. They now are once again in the same spot they were for the last couple of years of just no point guard, but Maybe we'll figure somebody out later on who could maybe join up with them. And another one in the weeds that you probably didn't think we were going to talk about is the previously mentioned five-second round pick trade where the Bucks get Jay Crowder for two second round picks going to the Nets, three second round picks to the Pacers who also obtained George Hill, Jordan Noara, and Serge Ibaka who was also set to be bought out. Yeah, a lot of uh, former Thunders uh, on the buyout market. Um, I mean... I'm with everyone else. I like this for the Bucks, but I have no idea what kind of shape Jay Crowder is in right now. Um, might take a while to get going, but I mean, kind of an ideal guy to to just have as a glue guy and versatile defender in the playoffs. 
should be interesting. We'll see if Surge goes anywhere. I think he might get picked up for one last shot, but we'll see. And then one of the bigger ones, Russell Westbrook was traded along with a protected 2027 Lakers first round pick to the Jazz, who will end um, and likely end up buying out Russell Westbrook. D'Angelo Russell returns to the Los Angeles Lakers, where he was previously drafted with Malik Beasley and Jared Vanderbilt. And finally, the Wolves picked up Mike Conley, Juan Toscano Anderson, Damian Jones, Shea's cousin, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, and three second-round picks in 2024, 25, and 26. Yeah, I like... um, D'Angelo Russell's a better player than Mike Conley, but I... But clearly something is off vibes wise with with the Wolves. I mean, there was like reports that Russell was like openly critical of Gobert. So bringing in an adult in the room like Conley helps. Um, I know that's not the biggest part of of this trade. I like what the Lakers did as a whole. But as I just said, when we we're talking about the play in, I still don't even think they're going to make the play in. I think they got better. But like when you're already this bad, like how much does better really get you? Um, now I, now I see, see, you're, you're, you're like the, you're like the mastermind pulling the, pulling the strings behind this podcast. I I think we led with all of these because we have former thunder players getting bought out and Russell Westbrook is, is going to be the next. Um, listen, people are not going to like me saying this. I know there's, I'm not undermining Russell Westbrook's greatness in Oklahoma city what he did for the franchise. He's going to have his jersey hanging in the Raptors. He might have a statue. I don't know. But right now, he's just not a good basketball player. And if if I was the Clippers, if I was any team trying to make the playoffs, I would absolutely not sign Russell Westbrook. Yeah, I don't blame you on that. He's been a very difficult player the last couple of years and not the easiest fit. It is been really interesting some of the media just hammering on him like did you see Dave McMenamin call him a vampire the other day they was sucking the blood out of the locker room I just thought that was very weird the discourse going on for a guy who's getting trashed who's not even what's the point now I don't know it's like a much play I'm not sure I I don't know Dave well or really at all but I'm not I, I don't know I don't know if he would like to have that one back like a source tells him that and then then it's up to you to to know if you're going to repeat it and, and what it's going to mean i have no idea there's other agendas at play like clearly that whole relationship went sour um with russell westbrook i'm not blaming the lakers just complete and utter just disorganization on him but i it was it was a terrible trade that's lebron's fault as much as anyone's Um, then the relationships are frayed. We talk about Russell trying to fit into his role. It's like, sure, he's been better off the bench, but he's still terribly inefficient at a really high volume. Um, and I just don't think that helps anyone right now. So yeah, I don't know. It's just like, there's, there's not a real feel good moment here for, for Russ. I mean, I'll defend him on some things. Um, I don't know. I think we're nearing the end of his career, really. Like, I want to hear what you think about this, but someone's going to pick him up. I guess someone would pick him up next season as well. Past next season, like, I I just don't know how much longer he has. Russell Westbrook's been one of the more important athletes in my life, uh, just watching him growing up. But I'm with you. I just... 
I think he gets one more stop, maybe two. I just don't see the the runway with him because if you're a contender, I don't think he helps you that much. And then if you're a younger team, I don't think he's a guy who you bring into your locker room who's going to be content just sitting on the bench like a Mike Muscala, just giving random minutes on a night-to-night basis and not really knowing what he's going to do and just being a mentor to a lot of these guys. Not to say Russ isn't a good locker room guy, but I just don't see the benefit of that if you're the Thunder having Russell Westbrook on your cap sheet at a vet minimum versus just having Trey Mann and trying some things out or Isaiah Joe or any of those end of the bench sort of guys who are your guards. I don't see the reason to have Russell Westbrook. With all that being said, though, it is just such a weird situation because that was a trade with the Lakers where they pick up Russ initially from the Wizards where everyone knew that was a bad idea. So it's just crazy stuff. But all that we can say now is that we are thankful that we don't have to talk about Russell Westbrook trades from the Lakers anymore. It is finally done and over with. Yeah. And the last thing I'll say about Russ, some have asked me, is there any chance the Thunder would sign Russ? Not, not just this season, but at some point remaining in his career. And I think the chances are 0.0%. And that I feel like, I feel like on a Thunder podcast, I, I need to tread, tread lightly here, but it's, like Russell is the most is the greatest player in franchise history. He's not the best player. That was Kevin Durant, but just looking at the career as a whole, Russell was the the star who stayed. Um, and I think fans certainly gravitated to him. But in Oklahoma City, he's like a larger than life personality. He just has such a gravitational pull toward him. This is Shea's team. The last thing you want to do. Is ha- is distract from that or be like, you know, you've got this franchise icon on the bench when you have like this emerging franchise superstar and the next in line. Like you, you, it just it just makes no sense from from a personnel standpoint or from a basketball standpoint. Yeah, the only way that I see them bringing him back is like the ten day contract, so he can retire a member as the th- as a member of the Thunder. But that's about it. Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm fine with that. But anyways, the final big trade that we have to discuss is the woe slash shams bomb that happened in the middle of the night, I guess 10 p.m. for you. But Kevin Durant was traded along with the return of Suns legend T.J. Warren in exchange. The Nets received one of the biggest trade hauls in NBA history, picking up Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder, who was previously mentioned, moved on to the Bucks for a bunch of second round picks, a 2028 swap from Phoenix. And finally, the crown jewel of the trade, the Phoenix Suns first round picks from 2023, 25, 27 and 29 will all be owned by the Brooklyn Nets. Well, I love this for the Suns. Um, I I don't care about the price, whatever. Like, you just the 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 time is now, and this is the ultimate win now move to bring in one of the best players in the history of the NBA, who's still remarkably playing like at or near the peak of his powers. I love the basketball fit, just with like the smarts and easy fit of Kevin Durant, just the brilliance of Chris Paul. I think Devin Booker compliments them so well. If Aiton can just be happy for a couple more months, it's going to be fine. Um, so I absolutely love this for Phoenix. I think it makes them the odds-on favorite to win the West. Um, I know some people would still have them as like a 1A and 1B with Denver. Um, I just think this is potent and that they could poke a lot of holes in, in that Nuggets defense. And, and for as great as Jokic is, I mean, the Suns would just have so much more talent. Um, so yeah, I, I love this for Phoenix. I'm not sure it makes them the NBA favorite, 
but um, certainly, I think, makes them the favorite in the West. Like you mentioned, that tiers, they're in the tier one along with the best teams with a chance of the title, like the Celtics, the Bucks. I think you have to put the Suns in there and then maybe a tier in the same tier of the Nuggets or a tier below, but they are cream of the crop teams. And the real winner is us as NBA fans because we're going to get an interesting playoffs. But I thought it was extremely interesting that Matt Ishbia becomes the owner slash governor of the Suns. He was introduced yesterday and he made quick work because the 10 hours or so before that, Bill Simmons, um, new owner syndrome, but pretty interesting stuff to see them first day go all in. And I think that you're right. That's it's a high price to pay, but something that you probably need to do, especially with Chris Paul aging, you maximize your timeline as short as it is. And you go out there and try to win a championship with Kevin Durant, who you still have three years left on his deal. At least I have never heard an owner's name more in a 48 hour span than I've heard Matt Ishbia's name, a name that I did not know I don't remember his glorious Michigan State days. Um, also, I think Ishbia is like a it's like a fun name to say Ishbia. And um, golly, I've heard that name a lot in the last um, uh, couple couple of days. Credit him for you know billing, being willing to to pay the price to make this happen for James Jones for getting it together. I mean, it's um, I don't want to say an easy deal to make. No deal is easy, but when you just try to put put everything on the table, um, you have to do that. Like Mikel Bridges, if he's the sticking point, well, it's like, man, I love him, but this is Kevin Durant. You got to do something like this. Yeah, usually when we hear an owner's name under bad circumstances, it was nice to hear something and it wasn't negative, whether it was Robert Sarver or... Um, yeah, especially in Phoenix. Yes, or James Dolan or anything like that. It's usually negative even uh, the Nets owner or anything like that, it's usually like, what is this guy doing or some type of controversy? This one was just, new owner comes in, makes cool trade. Yeah, one thing on this, because it's relevant as we speak, um, Clay Bennett has been on this road trip w- w- with the Thunder, and Clay Bennett is is revered within the Thunder organization. And I think his best attribute as owner is that he does not meddle and that he trusts Sam Presti and the front office to do their thing that he, uh, he does not tweet anything out. I highly, highly doubt the man has a Twitter account and, um, yeah, he's just, he just kind of sits out like you, you, you never hear his name, which I think, you know, it can be a good thing. It should be, those are all good things. But, um, it's it's better i'm trying to think how to how to phrase this it's usually better when you aren't hearing the owner's name because usually it is in the context of oh man that owner's hands on like joe lake about scouting james wiseman it's like oh my gosh this is this is not good you don't want clay bennett out there you know scouting anthony black or whoever it is so um yeah, I think the Thunder's in a good spot ownership-wise. I mean, the even pro- if they don't have the pockets of Ishbia. Yeah, I think the prime example is the San Antonio Spurs won five titles. I don't think most Spurs fans, let alone NBA fans, can tell you who the Spurs' main owner is, and I think that's a good sign. That's a great point. Great point, young Michael. Thank you. Well, last thing, uh, last uh, I guess prompt that we'll get in here is I want to talk to you about the worst trades and the best trades from the deadline. We'll do. Um, 
worse first and i said that this could be any point of view you have it could be the worst in terms of everybody involved or just one team or anything like that but what do you think was the worst deal the deadline from yesterday the worst <clears throat> deal of the deadline um I should have wrote this down, Michael. I can um, go first if you'd if you'd like. Yeah, go first. I'm gonna. I'm. Uh, you know me. I'm. I'm. I'm really bad when you put me on the the spot. Not that you put me on the spot. You sent me the outline, but um, you know, go first. All good. Well, I had the Warriors sending James Wiseman to Detroit for essentially Sadiq Bay and Kevin Knox. The Warriors then send Sadiq Bay to the Hawks for five second round picks, and then finally the Warriors flipped. Those five second round picks, along with Kevin Knox to the Blazers to get Gary Payton the second back, essentially trading the number two pick in the draft from a few years ago for a guy they had on their roster last season who initially was not only on their G League team, but do you remember the story where he applied to be the Warriors like video coordinator? Yeah. Pretty interesting stuff and a fall from grace for the Warriors. Like you mentioned, Joe Lacob help, helped quote unquote scout James Wiseman. And now just like what a fall from grace in terms of value to go from the number two pick in the draft, a guy who people really, really liked and uh, thought had a lot of potential to Gary Payton II, who was a G League player. Yeah, the the thing, though, that I liked about the Warriors is that they didn't... Sometimes you just got to admit that you made a huge mistake, and this was them admitting that they made a huge mistake. I actually have no idea what the Pistons are doing, and... It's so surprising to me. Um, I, I I wasn't around when when Troy Weaver was here. It's just so surprising to me how different they ran from the Thunder, given those close connections that that Troy was Sam's right hand man for so long in Oklahoma City. Um, I am I'm not very high on James Wiseman's chances to become like a good NBA player, but maybe he can do it in Detroit where there's no pressure and a whole bunch of other young guys and 18,000 centers on the roster. Um, but, but yeah, that, that definitely qual that's like worst on every single side. There's just like, it's hard to feel good about, um, that trade. I guess, I guess I had trouble answering the question because I, I couldn't really think of worst as much as I, I, I mean, best is obviously easy for me. It's, it's the Suns. I actually thought the nets came out of it really, really well too, from what they did with, having no leverage with Kyrie Irving, but still getting as much as they did. And then, you know, kind of being in this in-between spot, not knowing if you're going to build around Durant or send him out. They sent him out, got a lot back. They can still move some of those pieces this summer or, or keep some of them, a lot of interesting young guys on the roster. Um, but I actually thought, you know, the Nets and the Suns were two of my winners that I wrote down for the deadline. I think the Lakers were a winner but I don't think they're going to win all that much, um, which really doesn't make sense. Um, can I give you a couple of my losers? Yes. It's a mean word, losers. Um, I thought the Nuggets were a loser, mainly because of what the Suns did. Like, they were a loser just because they didn't make a Durant deal or something similar. Like the nuggets did not get worse. I, I know a lot of people like the Thomas Bryant move, the bones Highland situation clearly was bad. Um, so they moved on from him. But if you're a nuggets fan, you just went from clearly the best team in the West 
to probably the second best team in the West. So um, losers, not so much for what they did, but what they didn't do and what teams around them did. I thought the Grizzlies were a loser in that same sense. I, I like Kennard. I mean, they, they need some three-point shooting, but things have been off there in, in Memphis. And for as much talk as there was about a pie-in-the-sky Durant deal or an OG and an OB deal, they stand pat for the most part. And I just think they're clearly behind the Suns and the Nuggets in the pecking order um, in the West. I think the Pelicans are in a similar spot as well. They've just dealt with so many injuries. Um, didn't do much to upgrade that roster. And then I had the Clippers and the Pistons as well on, on my losers column. I agree. I mean, the losers are anyone in the West who didn't add Kevin Durant, but I'm with you on the Grizzlies. As long as they have Dylan Brooks, I just have no trust in them. I trust Dylan Brooks less than like gas station sushi. He's just like, Ooh. yeah, no, no trust in Dylan Brooks. But last thing on the Gary Payton thing, because I did kill it a little bit. He is a helpful player who knows their system, who can help them. It's just about the, uh, I guess transitive property of number two pick to G League player. But you mentioned the Durant deal. We've talked about it a lot. They're definitely the biggest winner, but I want to throw out one other winner for you if we have time here. And that was the 76ers picking up Jalen McDaniels, not Jaden from the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves, but Jalen from the Hornets and a swap essentially for Matisse Thybul in second round picks. Thybul might be one of the most unique, dangerous perimeter defenders in the league, but at the same time, he has sort of the Andre Robertson dilemma of not just being a non-shooter, but a negative spacer. McDaniels is a step back as a defender from Thybul, but the shooting difference is what the 76ers are really caring about. McDaniels is shooting 32% from three this season, but he's a career 34% three-point shooter, including seasons of shooting 38 and 37% from three. I'd assume those percentages go up with Joel Embiid and James Harden spraying the ball around to him. Tybalt technically this season is shooting better from three this season at 33%, but it's on an extremely limited volume. And I think a lot of teams are very excited for Tybalt to take those shots. So I don't know, maybe this is just NBA smart guy talk, but I like the McDaniels to the 76ers deal. Well, well you're an NBA smart guy. And as you uh, just proved right there you you came with the numbers to back it up um yeah that 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 move has gotten a lot of kind of under the radar praise um the east is is fascinating because it was like oh man the east is so much better than the west and on deadline day like we're almost exclusively talking about western conference moves primarily because the sun's deal with durant caused a domino effect um to make other teams look around and say like oh gosh we got to do something um, but in the East, I, I mean, you've got like a big three of, of Boston, Milwaukee and, and Philadelphia. If you want to throw them in there, I, I would still have them third behind those two aforementioned teams. Um, but yeah, it's like the rest of the East kind of sat back and admitted that they're not as good as those other teams. I, I know the Cavs have already made their big move. Miami didn't do anything. Um, Toronto's sort of stood pat but interestingly added purdle so um yeah i don't i don't know the the west was certainly more more exciting than the east but shout out to mike muscala because i don't know if he's going to be in the playoff rotation but just as a depth piece if an injury pops up like i think he can really help help that team especially with um you know robert williams the time Lord himself um, not being able to stay healthy and other guys dealing with injuries. Like if something like that pops up, Al Horford is old. Um, Muscala could go in there and, and really try to do a, 
do his best Horford impression from what he does stretching the floor uh, offensively. Horford's a better defensive player, and Time Lord certainly is, but Mescala is a good depth for them, I think. Hopefully the Thunder will get half a ring after the NBA Finals between uh, Mike Mescala and Darius Baisley as they match up for everything on the table. That that would be fun if it was Sun Celtics, which it very well could be. Then you've got Darius Baisley and Mike Mascala, two of the longest tenured Thunder players. Um, Baisley was the longest tenured Thunder player, by the way. Um, now it's Lou Dort, with who who was with the team about a month before Shea Gilgis Alexander. Um, but yeah, what a I, I would never get approved, but um, from an expense standpoint or an NBA standpoint, like you cover the Thunder while you're here, but I'd love to cover a finals game with Mike Mescal and Darius Baisley. We're going to start a GoFundMe. That'll be very interesting. <laughs> but uh, before we get out of here, do you have anything else to plug uh, before tonight's game against the Portland Trailblazers? Yeah, so it's been a weird couple of days where the Thunder did not have any availability. They haven't had an availability since the trade deadline, so... Tonight, um, I'll be talking to the players and, and Mark Dignalt about um, losing a couple of longtime teammates and Darius Baisley and Mike Muscala, so I'll have their trade reactions. Um, in, in a story, like I said, I'm, I'm doing the Reddit AMA, probably, probably not doing it well or correctly, but I'm doing my best, so you can check that out. Um, and uh, the Super Bowl is Sunday. And um, I'm doing a story about Josh Giddy's football background. Footy, as they call it in Australia, Australian rules football. He was very, very good at it. Um, he even thought he was better at it than, than basketball, but obviously transitioned to basketball, which was probably a smart business decision. But he's a big Chiefs fan because of JRE. He's a big Mahomes fan. Naturally, he look out for that one on Sunday. Should be very interesting. A um, lot of cool stuff. Thank you for joining me for this marathon of a podcast. I'm sure that your AMA is going well. If you have any problems with that, just link them this podcast and just say, listen to this. I'm sure it'll answer it somewhere. But it's a lot of fun, Joe. And thank you all for listening today. Joe, I hope you have a great day for the Blazers game. Should be fun tonight. All right. Good stuff, Michael. All right. And like I said, thank you all for listening to the Thunder Buddies podcast. Make sure to rate us five stars on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Follow us on social media at ThunderBudPod on Twitter. And we'll be back on Tuesday.